0: Well, welcome back, everyone. We are excited to jump back into our discussion on
1: marriage. You <laughs> say marriage? marriage. No, we say marriage. We say marriage. <laughs> yes.
0: Um, all right, we're talking about covenant today, mm. which is a sounds like such a biblical word, um, but it's honestly a word that different tribes, different nations, uh, they've used throughout the generations, centuries. Um, it's a little different than what we would think about in marriage. Sometimes today we think of. Uh, A ceremony. We think of a legal document. We think of a promise. But in the Bible, it's the idea of a covenant, which is even deeper, you know, uh, than just something that you sign a piece of paper or that you just say some words in front of people. Um, Relationships, it seems like uh, just like memberships to a gym, you know, it's like easy in, easy out. There are going to be times that test your marriage. Uh, There's going to be Good times, there's going to be challenging times. There's going to be times you do things well, then times you don't do things well. Times where you show great strength and times where you are weak in areas and something happens and it will test your marriage. Uh, and so covenant is a deep conversation I think is so important to have.
1: I think so too. And I think um, it's one to bring back because in our culture today, we don't use that term. I think a lot of churches have stopped using the word covenant because it's a churchy word. Yeah. But in replace of the word covenant, they using, they've used words like contract or agreement. But in our culture today, it's really easy to break a contract or really easy to break an agreement. And covenant really is something even bigger mm-hmm. than those two things. And I feel like we've lost some of that. Yeah, um, I feel like our culture today has gone to the place, because covenant, biblically, a covenant was when two groups of people who had, you know, came together in agreement and what was theirs, you know, they just belonged to one another. They like right. had an equal exchange. And I know you'll talk about that yeah. in just a minute, but... Yeah. Um, it, it was.
0: Yeah, it wasn't, this is mine and that's yours. Right. It's ours. Yeah, and it yeah. became
1: an hour conversation. And I feel like in our culture today, there's a huge focus on um, self. Yeah. And what about me? What about me? And, I, and there's like a pendulum swing, right? Because for so long, people felt like you would lose yourself and there's been abuse. And so people have talked about. Um, needing to focus on yourself and take care of you as an individual, which is true. Yeah. We do need to take care of us. Um, but in this idea of covenant just gets lost because we start thinking about ourselves individually rather than like we are one.
0: Yeah, and let's lean into that, right? Like we don't like to say it, but we're very selfish, you know.
1: Human nature. Human, yeah, human, human nature beings. nature is very selfish.
0: Like, when we were kids, you know, we had to be taught you know, to share, you know, or, you know, taught that the world doesn't revolve around you, right? That's where maturity kicks in. Like, well, a two-year-old thinks that the world right, revolves
1: around right. them. They but.
0: just have to make a peep and mom and dad run, <laughs> yeah. you know, and they cry and someone puts food in their mouth. Hey, that sounds like a great life. But as you get older, you realize that you're, in, you're responsible for other people and you engage in a world that's bigger than just you. It's interesting. I was, I think I was getting my hair cut. And i heard someone talking and it sounds so good it sounds so like right in the zone of what the world is talking about and he's like talking to his barber and for some reason he was just like you want to know uh the the most the best way how did he say it it was like um the best thing i can do for my family is to be selfish i mean that's just the way he said it and i know what he meant yeah he meant like take care of him you know, make sure that you are properly nourished, rested. You have some things that you do in life that bring you joy. I mean, totally get that. But if we're not careful, yeah, we can over lean into what I want,
1: and it's just about you.
0: Yeah, my and feelings, you first. me, and, and marriage and... is not going to work, is it? If, if if both parties. We're all about themselves, right? what kind of marriage is that going to be?
1: Well, a very broken one, because the idea of marriage is two individuals becoming one. And the only way that that works is when you begin to put the other person first. And so, again, I understand where it's come from, because there's been a, an abuse where people lose themselves. But the pendulum has to swing back into, like, when we were... Um, even filming an advertisement for the marriage class we just recently did at church, we walked into a small boutique and the owner or the lady working there was asking us what we were doing. And we said we were filming a marriage conference, um, you know, footage and she started to have a conversation. She's like, well, maybe I'll send my um, friend friend to it. Um, She said her marriage is breaking down. You know, she's married to a really good guy. She's just not loving him anymore. You know, she's not feeling it. She's not feeling it anymore. Yeah. It was just that he's—he hasn't done anything wrong. He's great, but she's just
0: not attracted. Not to attracted. Him. So it
1: was really all about her and what right. she wanted. And there was no, um, there was no covenant relationship mm-hmm. at the conversation in that moment. And so she was going to lose a marriage. Years of marriage. Years of marriage. She'd been married for 20 years or more, something like that. She's going to lose that because of the idea of it's all about me and there's no sacrifice. And we don't like that word about sacrifice or about, or putting somebody else first anymore.
0: And again, it's a, it's a fine line because, you know, there are things like, what do I need and what do I want like in our future? And, And those are healthy things. But if If you're in a healthy relationship, which that's what we're trying to build is a healthy relationship, you want to help the dreams in your spouse's heart come true. They want to help the dreams in your heart come true. Um, But we can get so focused on what I want and what I need, and they're not doing what I want them to do to meet my need and me and me and me. And the whole idea of covenant and the whole idea of how God loves us and how he's connecting to us um, is not just you know about it's not driven by selfishness it's driven by love and that word love is that word charity like that new mm-hmm. testament word in first corinthians 13 where it says love is patient love is kind love is 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 going towards something or someone it's a charity it's an unselfish love and it's a one directional love it's yeah. not i'll love you so that you'll love me it's not i'll do this so that you'll do this for me it's a choice, a decision to say, I will, that's why charity was so important. Cause you're normally giving to the poor who cannot reciprocate. They cannot give to you back right. what you're giving them. But that's that foundational love. Like it's, I'm not doing it so you can give it back. I'm doing it because it's the right, you know, the right action, it's the right spirit. And, um, faithfulness, covenant, commitment. That's really what we're digging into today.
1: Yeah. So why don't I, I see a couple of scriptures listed here.
0: Yeah. So let's get into the scriptures and we're talking covenant, which really then leads us to the idea of oneness. And I think that's, that's the word, that's the word of the day. Like if you hear the word one or oneness, you want to ring a bell like ding,
1: ding, 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 ding. ding.
0: (laughs) And it's because God has made two separate lives two separate people he's done something miraculous and that's what we're really trying to get across in this message today or this conversation is you didn't go through a ceremony right you went through a spiritual work a spiritual and um miracle that god made he says i took two and i've now made one
1: yeah that's and so from cool that
0: moment you're no longer two you're not separate you were one so you think on behalf of others you think considering the other, um, you're not too. You're not a bachelor anymore. Who's now moved into an apartment, and now you're two bachelors, well, bachelor bachelorette, okay, living <laughs> living in an apartment, and you're just eating food together, having sex together, and you're just two living together, right? You are one, and you have to start thinking as one. And it, right. and God calls you one. He never calls you two again. That's powerful. Yeah. You, he calls you one. He sees you as one. Um, and that's and it's, that's why it's permanent. You become a body. And so to to go back to being a bachelor or a bachelorette, to separate, it means you killed that body. There's no way to do it without killing it, right? Because you are now one body.
1: Yeah. So as we get into this, because I want to let you read, I know we just mentioned the scripture, but a I just want to make yeah one disclaimer. And that is, you know, we're talking about oneness. We're talking about covenant and that there's, you know, you go into it with no back door. There's not yeah. an option to leave. But there are reasons, biblical reasons to leave a marriage yeah. if those things are happening. And yeah. so if you're listening today yeah. and you find yourself in one of the situations, um, you know we just want you to seek counsel. so whether that's adultery yeah. um, or that's abuse yeah. and you're not safe, you know, physical abuse, um, then there are reasons to walk away. And, and if separate, you are and, and suffering help. Find help, and if you are in danger, yeah, that physical danger, um, you know, then those are all reasons to step out to go get the help that you need, yeah. um, to walk away, and that is definitely supported by scripture. So we just want to be clear with that.
0: Yeah, because even if you are going to fight for the marriage, because uh, you in may be able to, danger, if you're in physical danger, and you and you still maybe like, but I still want to fight for my marriage. You don't have to be in a place, the danger, that you're in danger, mm-hmm. right? You can, you can. Both work on skills, both come in agree, but you don't have to be in constant fear right. of your life while you're working things out yeah. if you choose to. Yeah. But today we're going to focus not so much on the reasons to leave, which would be, like you said, the adultery right. or abuse, um, but primarily too many people are leaving marriage for far less reasons. Right. They're Like you said, they're not feeling it. They're bored. Uh, someone else is more interesting, you know, um, whatever, but it's just this concept that marriage is just easy in, easy out. Mm. It's just like changing a friend, you know, friendship, or just I'm done with that friendship group. I'm going to this friendship group. And it's more than that to God. Right. You are one. He has done something supernatural. And that's what we're talking about. So let's just go back to the scriptures. Genesis chapter two, verse 24, all the way back to the beginning of the Bible. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife or join to his wife and they shall be one flesh or one person. Yeah. And you hear these things, you hear them all the time, and it's so redundant or common. And it's like, no, you don't understand. Like, this is what God said happened that you come from your homes and you make a new one home. You're one. Yeah. And in my eyes, in God's eyes, you are one. You're not two separate people cohabitating. I'll say it again and again, but you are one in God's eyes. You have covenanted, it's different. It's not two people in a contract. It's not two people in an agreement. It's one, you are one, you see each other as one. Do you wanna read the next one?
1: Yeah, um, Matthew 19, five and six, it says this, and Jesus said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be united firmly, joined inseparably, his wife and the two shall become one flesh so they're no longer two but one flesh one human what therefore God has joined together let not man put asunder or separate or put space
0: between I love that again they are no longer two so he repeats it right they are one flesh or if you look at it one human so it's not you can't you can't look at it like his money her money mm. right? His vision, her vision, his goals, her goal. Like, yes, you have separate goals, but somehow they're intertwined, and it's not a matter of it's whose goals are more natural, important. It's something supernatural, something
1: we can't fully wrap our head around. Yeah. So it's not going to make complete sense totally. To yeah,
0: figure it it's out. It's a work of God, it's and you by God. faith have to believe that God did this, but also start considering the other person as as important as yourself. Yeah. Right. Um, we were. It was funny. We were talking a little bit ago. We were preparing for this about our first year of marriage. And when we had our first little apartment in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and it was shortly after we got married, we were really young, I was 20, I think when we got married. I
1: was 19. You
0: were 19. I a baby. Yeah, we were just a baby. Um, but in our little apartment, you were on the phone with your mom, it was after work, and your mom lived in Illinois, so she wasn't close. And I knew you'd be a while, and I was hungry. Like I'm 20, 21 at this time. And, you know, it's like five o'clock, it's time to eat. And I knew you were going to be a while. And so I looked over at you and I said, I'm going to go make myself some soup. I kind of whispered it. I was like, I'm going to go make myself some soup. And you were on the phone and you nodded with a smile. Like, yeah, okay, it's fine. And so I went and made myself some soup. I came back, put my little T V tray out, had my soda, my soup, my crackers. I turned the T V on. I was ready to watch. I think I was into Star Trek the next generation. We were. We yeah, were I was into ready Star to watch Trek. Star Trek. <laughs> I was so into my my soup. And at that moment, you get off the phone and you hang up and you look at me and you're like, Where's my soup? And yeah. I was like, what do you mean? You know, I was like, <laughs> I, was like I told you I was going to go make some soup. Like, I told you what I was going to do. And you're like, yeah, but how hard is it? It's dinner time. You could have made two bowls of soup. And I was like, that's uh, just a little illustration yeah, of Yeah, but how, thinking, individual, thinking like individual, now
1: thinking into a couple, like yeah. to both of you as like one. Like a
0: bachelor again, you know, that, again, mm-hmm. we're just living together. She'll take care of herself. You know, like we're meant to think on behalf consider of the other, another. consider one yeah. another. And so we had some more scripture here about this whole oneness and how Christ views the church and how he views us. In the book of Ephesians, and there's a lot of conversation there about husbands and wives and submitting to one another in Ephesians 5 21, and it defines how a wife submits to her husband. It defines how a husband is to submit and love his wife and take care of her. So we're going to jump into verse 25, where it says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So he tells husbands to love their wives as Christ loved the church. So he doesn't just say, Love your wife. Right. Now he goes on and he illustrates with an example of Jesus. He says, Christ loved the church like you're supposed to love your wife.
1: And it's an example of how he loved.
0: How he loved. Yeah. And, yep. and the example is he gave himself up. Yeah. See, he didn't prefer himself over his bride, over the church. He sacrificed his own yeah. life. That's good. Right? Laid his life down. That's the idea of covenant. We've come into a New Testament, a new covenant with the Lord. He's taught us what covenant is, and he is all in, right? He didn't keep one foot in, one foot out, and he gave himself up. It wasn't, well, to be selfish is the best thing I can do for the bride. No, if he was selfish, he said, Father, let this cup pass from me. Yeah. He could have called yeah. a legion of angels. He didn't want to go through that, but that's not what love does, and that's not how you build covenant, and we've been united with him as one. We're not seen as two. He sees us as one, and this is how you love. This is the example, giving yourself up. And it wasn't feeling driven. Right. It was for the good of the well, church, it's for the feelings good of, the of his bride. He
1: wanted to run away because he said, if it's possible, let yeah. this cup pass for me. So it wasn't something that he was always like, yay, let's do this. <laughs> yeah. It was, that's what love does.
0: And this that's is a healthy conversation for a Christian in general in this generation. But like, you don't have to feel like doing Mm-mm. thing the right thing to do the right thing. Right. Like, you have to wait to feel it.
1: No, and our generation right? wants to focus on feelings. But again, right. Bible says that the just shall live by faith, right? And it says that we don't, we're don't, we not moved by what we feel or what we see, right? So we live by faith about what the word of God says, and we do it because it's in the word of God, not because our feelings. And you have a statement that one of our mentors said, right actions bring right emotions or feelings. Yeah. You don't wait for the feelings and then...
0: Yeah, don't don't wait to feel like doing good. To do good, yeah. you do good, and typically the feelings will follow afterwards. And same thing, like I don't always feel like maybe forgiving, or I mm-hmm. don't always feel like buying the flowers, or I don't always feel like doing the act of service. But it's the right thing, right. and in doing that, while I'm in the process of doing it, the right emotions, typically the right emotions are like, I'm so glad I bought these flowers. I'm so glad that I chose to um, not just sit on the couch when I need. She needed help, you know. So doing the right thing. Um, The Bible goes on to say, um, husbands so should love their wives being, in a a sense, their own body. Again, he's talking about oneness. These two individuals have become one body. He who loves his wife loves himself. So you can't, it doesn't make sense that you wouldn't love your wife or take care of her needs. It would be like you not taking care of yourself when you're hungry. When you're hungry, you feed yourself. When you're tired, you go take a nap. Your body has a need. You don't insult its need. You don't look at it like, why do you have that need? Right. I'm offended that you have that need. I'm irritated that you have that need. You take care of your body. It's your body. It's not outside of you. It is you. For no man ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it, carefully protects it, cherishes it, just like Christ does the church. To me, that verse speaks very clearly that you don't hate your body. You don't abuse your body. And I would say that's also an indictment about individuals that physically abuse. Yeah, you know that's like imagine yourself cutting your own wrists and arms, and you know physically abusing yourself. These things should not be. The natural progression of a human being is to preserve themselves, to take care of themselves, to bring what brings comfort or peace or health to themselves. Any abuse of yourself, something's wrong in your head, right? So this, is, to me, that's a great example to say. You should never do anything towards your spouse that would be physically harming, mentally harming, emotionally harming. You're trying to bless, nourish, protect them just like you would your own body.
1: Yeah, that's powerful. Yeah?
0: yeah. Because we are members of his body. For this reason shall a man leave his father and mother, join his wife. The two shall become one flesh. There it is again, repeated in scripture. This is a mystery, but I'm speaking concerning the relationship of Christ and the church. However, let each man of you without exception love his wife as being in a sense his very own self. And let the wife see that she respects and reverences her husband. Uh, the Bible offers examples of the meaning of that word, uh, respect and love. And the examples is that she, in the in, in that same verse, verse 33, where it says that a wife would see and respect and reverence her husband. If you were to read that from the Amplified Bible, and some people may not know what the Amplified Bible is, but it's a Bible that actually expands the mm-hmm. words. It gives definitions and root meanings that kind of helps you paint a picture. So when it says the wife see that she respects and reverences her husband, you could add in the language that she would notice him, mm. that she would regard him. And we talked about that earlier where there's still something inside of a husband that wants to impress and wants to be noticed. I do with you. There's times that I, you know, try to show you that I'm 47 now and you know, I still got it even though I yes. may not still got it. You
1: do baby. You still <laughs> got it. You still got it. Thank
0: you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whistle from the back in the production studio. Um, but that you notice, and it's important, you know, that's one way to show respect to him and honor him, prefers him, uh, venerates, esteems him, defers to him, praises him, loves him, admires him. Like, there's just this sense of working together. Like, I respect your opinion. You respect my opinion. Right. I-
1: Go yeah, ahead. it's beautiful. It's like honor. It's the word you know, honor. It's just honor. I'm honoring you. I see the value in you. I see the greatness in you. And I let myself enjoy that. And um, I let myself um, see all that God's placed inside of you. And I value that. Yeah. And so if I see that, I will treat you in a way that brings honor to who God's made you to be.
0: Yeah. Thank
1: you. Um, because I value that.
0: And you've brought up a point about this conversation before um, that even though the Bible is saying, you know, husbands love your wives and wives honor and respect your husband, that doesn't mean that a wife doesn't need honor and respect. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that a husband doesn't need love. Right. Right. Sometimes we've oversimplified it like a man needs respect and a woman needs love. The truth is a man needs love too. Right. And a woman needs respect as well. Well, But we we communicate those things differently. Right. And um, some of the ways we need to be taught to love our spouse is different than what we would do naturally. So the Bible gives us some prompts. Gives us some
1: prompts. Well, it's just natural, right? Like I, the Bible teaches us to honor every person, right? I'm gonna honor honor people.
0: You're a child of God. Because they're a child of God, exactly.
1: So I'm gonna honor them, you know, and I'm gonna love them because the Bible tells me to love my neighbor, right? right? And to walk in love and God is love. So that's gonna, that's part of kingdom culture. So it's just gonna happen regardless. But I think if this writing here was helping to bring alignment, like, hey, guys, you might be needing to see this a little bit more. Ladies, you might need to see this a little bit more. Maybe right. this isn't your natural bend. Maybe this isn't your natural bend. These are some things that we're going to work on here. And this is what this really means.
0: Yeah. I love it. All right. So you, you made a covenant, not an agreement. It's not a promise. You became one. Mm-hmm. Uh, treat the other person, just like we learned in Sunday school, treat the other person. The way you want Go
1: ahead. the way you want to be
0: treated. <laughs> you just <always laughs> well, I thought it. You, you were going go, no, no, to go. I say saw it. you saying <laughs> it and I was like, say it. Come say on, it. treat
1: them the way you want to be treated. Treat
0: the other person the way you want to be treated. And it's that simple. It still comes down to that. and And you don't want to be treated like where the world is only thinking about itself. Like you want people to be unselfish. You want people to think about others. You want people to be generous and helpful and and, and to help, even when they don't feel like helping, right? Yeah. And you want to give the same thing. Um, think of the other person um, the way you want to be thought of. That's another way to say that. So oneness. We're going to get into one big, long passage of scripture, and then we'll kind of bring this conversation to a close about covenant. But it's just so important because I just feel like there's lacking language in the body of Christ right now about covenant and oneness And really all the fights or the disagreements or issues, it starts. what it does is it starts to tear at that oneness, right? The first time you choose to not sleep in the same bed together because you're mad at each other, it's like sowing a seed into becoming two again, right? Or the first time you choose not to embrace one another because you're mad at each other or you choose not to, whatever. Anytime you see any emotion or action or seed towards two, towards being individuals versus us, yeah, or me instead of us, or I instead of us, you start to tear the fabric of what it is that God's trying to create. That's powerful. Um, so Malachi, or like I like to, if Italian, I'm Italian, so I like to call it the book of Malachi. Wow. Right? Yeah. Thank you. Another bad joke. <laughs> Mal- book of Malachi, you chapter two. You just said it again. Uh, Maybe that's the way it is said. Maybe we'll get to heaven one day and it'll be like, God was like, it was Malachi the whole time. You were totally right. Wow. (laughs) Amplified Bible uh, talks about covenant, talks about marriage like this. I just think it's important. Again, scriptures that we don't often discuss in church. So I love these podcasts. The Bible says this in verse 13, Malachi chapter two, and this you do with double guilt. God's talking. You cover the altar of your Lord with tears. These tears are shed by your unoffending wives that you divorced that you might take heathen wives and with your own weeping and crying out because the Lord does not regard your offering or anymore accept it with favor. So the Bible's saying that God's his altar is filled with tears. The tears on that altar are heartbroken wives and husbands that left their wives to go get other wives. And the wives hadn't offended, but the husbands are just like, I'm out, I'm gonna go get another model, another younger version or, or heathen version or whatever. Verse 14. Yet you ask, why does he reject it? Because the Lord, hear this, because the Lord was witness to the covenant you made at your marriage hmm. between you and your wife, the wife of your youth. Wow. I mean, when I see that, I think of our wedding day and that it wasn't just this little ceremony, but that God, the God of the universe. We asked him to be present. Yeah. And he absolutely stood there at that altar with us and he listened to our vows and he listened to our covenant and he did what we asked. He hmm. took two and he supernaturally made it one. We looked at it like, Oh, we had a beautiful wedding and a beautiful ceremony. God looked at it like a miracle happening. Yeah. What do you have thoughts that's on powerful.
1: that? No, that's powerful. It just helps bring understanding. I think, you know, unless we learn what how God sees marriage, you know, then we could think it's just all about a wedding or it's just all about a nice little relationship, but God takes it personally that he himself is there and he's the one performing this work.
0: He's listening and he's doing what we wanted him to do. And he says that you dealt treacherously with her. You were faithless, faithless with her. Yet she is your companion. She is the wife of your covenant Made by your marriage vows. Like, again, God yeah. is saying, she's the wife of your covenant. He, he's not interested in how you feel right now, right? He's not interested in what you're attracted to or not attracted, you know?
1: Yeah. He's
0: like, you made a covenant. Yeah. I heard it. I made you one like you it's told me
1: selfishness to. It's the It mm-hmm. takes that out of the picture.
0: Yeah. Verse 15. And did not God make you and your wife one flesh? There it is. God actually performed a miracle. He actually made you one flesh. Did, did not one make you and preserve your spirit alive? And why did God make you two one? He says it so much in this verse. Mm. Why did he do that? Because he sought godly offspring from your union. Therefore, take heed to yourselves. Let no one deal treacherously and be faithful, faithless to his wife, the wife of their youth. For the Lord, the God of Israel says, I hate divorce. Mm. I hate marital separation and him who covers his garment his wife with violence there's that word abuse again therefore keep a watch upon your spirit that it may be controlled by my spirit and i'm thinking the lord is talking about how your inner person can feel feelings of selfishness greed lust anger things that begin to tear at that oneness and you begin to think well i feel this way i feel like i don't love them or i feel like i'm interested in somebody else or i feel and he's saying be careful about your spirit take control over what's going on on the inside of you and watch over your spirit, that you deal not treacherously and faithlessly with your marriage. And so I'll just say this, that this was speaking to the man a lot, like the Mm -hmm. wife of your youth and her. Back in this generation, women did not have the same equal rights. They were not looked at as equals. Um, They weren't allowed to vote. Or not vote, but they, they were not allowed to vote, but they weren't allowed to testify in court as a credible witness. Right. They were more like were, property. Yeah, they were
1: viewed as property.
0: Yeah. So obviously the Bible's going to lean heavily on the man deciding whether or not he's going to be faithful. Right,
1: because the wife didn't have an option.
0: Right. But in our day and age, I believe if this were written today, right. God would give equal... Challenge to both to both parties. So don't leave your husband right. because you're not feeling it. Right. Because you get attracted to another guy. Right. Because you know there's challenges in the marriage that you got to work through. Right. Um, don't leave your husband of your youth. So it's it's a charge to both and God I agree. hates divorce because not because he's trying to be religious, not because he's trying to be churchy, right? Right. But it's because he made you one, and he knows what it's going to do to tear that one into two. Right. Right?
1: Yeah, that's powerful. It's powerful.
0: So covenant means you're one even when it's hard. you want to go through some of those things?
1: Sure. Covenant means even when it's hard. So uh, again, it's, it's closing the back door. I think some of us enter into that marriage, giving ourselves a back door and out.
0: I'll love you until.
1: Yeah. And covenant means even when it's hard. So hard can be when... There's uh, tension or dysfunction or arguing, but hard can also be different seasons of life. Yeah. You know, um, when it's hard, when the kids are little, you know, even for us, we have a, well, he's a young man now, but one of our children has special needs and the divorce rate for parents with special needs kids is now up to 80%. Yeah. Why is that? Because it's tough. It's hard. It's hard. There isn't a break yeah. from any of those kinds of things. So Um, the covenant though, which I get ahead of myself a little bit too, is making the decision that we're in this together. Yeah. Um, even when it's hard covenant means even when it isn't fun. Yeah you know, medical issues or just not feeling happy. Covenant means it doesn't ask about our feelings. So do I feel married? Do I feel attracted to them? Do I feel single? Do I feel like I want to do this? Covenant doesn't even allow space for those questions. And um, you made the decision, you're one.
0: Yeah. And again, that's how God views us. I mean, God's consistent, which is great. His emotions are consistent. Ours can kind of go up and down, you know, but again, I don't ask myself and I praise God he doesn't ask daily. Do I love Kevin today? Am I committed to Kevin today? Has he been good today? Has he been bad today? Am I faithful? You know, God is consistent and he's He's, faithful because he's covenant with us. Yeah. And again, it's not like, do I feel like being a husband? You know what? The days you don't feel like being a husband, be a husband, right? The days I don't feel like serving, serve. The days I don't feel loving, love, you know, but that's language that has to come back to healthy marriages again. Like it's, it's not all about what you feel like, or and you can't even determine the health of your marriage based on how you feel all the time or, or where, you know, your feelings can lie. You can be tempted to, by other people to feel things that should never have been awakened in you. And so you have to go back to God's word. You have to go back to, we're in covenant relationship, you know, with each other. I, I even thought about, you know, I'll love you until that statement I made mm-hmm. it a minute ago. Like, I'll love you until it's hard. I love it. I'll love you until you're sick. And I... I don't want to deal with it. You know, I love you until you're old and I don't want you to be old. I want you to look like this. I, you know, I want you to love me when I'm old, you know, I want you to love me when I'm not the strapping 21 year old, you know, that I, in my mind, I still am, (laughs) you know, and again, treat each other the way you want to be treated, but that language just isn't there anymore. And it's just, no, you are in covenant with each other and there will be tough times that hit every single marriage. And you're not going to feel it, but you still are one. Yeah. And from that oneness, you can overcome anything.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Powerful. Well, covenant is powerful. Covenant is oneness. Covenant is a work of God, and it is far more than an agreement or contract, but it is something that is a work of God that needs to come back Mm -hmm. into this generation and into the church, into the body of Christ.
0: Yeah. Amen. Well, that sums up our conversation for today. So we're excited about next time we get to talk a little bit more about marriage.